going to be an offering. If you're not a member of the church, just let it pass. It just let it pass by. That's totally cool. Let's stand together and turn to Jesus. Praise God, my soul, with all my heart. Let me exalt His holy name. Forget not all His benefits. His praise, my soul, in song proclaim. He satisfies your deep desires from His unending stores of good. So that just like the eagle's strength, your youthful vigor is renewed. He does not punish our misdeeds or give our sins the just reward. How great is love as high as heaven towards all those who fear the Lord. As far as east is from the west, so far his love has borne away our many sins and trespasses, and all the guilt that on us lay. Just as a father loves his child, so God loves those who fear his name. For he remembers we are dust, and well he knows our feeble frame. Oh, praise the Lord, you heavenly host, his servant to perform his word. Praise God, his works throughout his realm, and to my soul, oh, praise the Lord. Oh, God. 
awesome. Grab your seats. Yeah, let's magnify um, and exalt his name together as we open up our Bibles um, to 2 Timothy and chapter 2. Just going to read verses 1 to 7. 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 7. And this is what God's Word says. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we are aware that we need insight that can only be given from you. At the beginning of uh, this time together now, we wanted to say to you that we are fools. Uh, we are not wise a lot of the time, and we want to come to you and ask you, Jesus, the one who has become for us wisdom from the Father in heaven, to, to give us your Spirit so that we can have insight and understanding. We want to pray that you would really show us exactly where we are um, in our lives and in our relationship with you. Uh, this morning, we want, to, we want to see that. We want to see where, where we need to be. We want to see that you can give us this grace um, that, that can get us there. And we want to pray uh, this morning that you would speak uh, into the very depths of our being. And we'll, um, we'll be open for you to speak to us. We thank you, though. We don't have to come um, expecting judgment and condemnation because you, Jesus, have gone to the cross and you have paid for all of our sin. It is not that you have just not, you know, just uh, decided to forget. No, it's been paid for by Jesus on the cross. So, Father, we come to you and we want to pray. Please give us insight. Please give us your spirit so we can see and that we can truly live. We want to live. Uh, so, please help us in this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. We're not going to get out of our seats to meet and greet each other today, but we're going to do it just with the people around us. So, in your seats, just for two minutes, a quick uh, greet the people around you um, and say hello and ask them maybe how they are. And then Dan's going to then launch into some announcements for us. Thanks.
Okay. Um, next part of the service, we're going to uh, turn to the Lord in uh, worship. <laughs> Thank you. I love the way like nothing can stop us talking. I love it. I love that. I think that's so lush. Right, okay, because we're a family, aren't we? And that's lush. I think that's absolutely awesome. Just hammering the teacher down inside me. There you are. Right, okay. So um, we're going to start singing the song. I'm going to hand over to Sam. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks absolutely beautiful just reading through the words. We weren't here for Wednesday when we did it together, but oh, the words of the song are beautiful. All right, thank you, Sam. Should we stand and sing? Grace for the daily war with sin, for the battles that rage within my heart. I am held in my Father's everlasting arms. He's my shield from the devil's fiery darts. There's a refuge from. God provides all the help I need to pursue. 
Okay, I made a bit of an oversight there. Um, so, um, Lee's going to be coming up to speak to us now. Um, so, if uh, people want to start taking uh, children to creche and Sunday school now, that'd be absolutely fab. Sorry, it's totally my bad. There you go. So, um, the announcements are as follows. Uh, on your chair, you uh, would have found a welcome card or may have done. Um, this is for everyone. If you want the leaders of the church to pray for you, then uh, please fill one in. We'd love to do that. Um, equally, if you're, a new me- if you're new to the church and have got big questions about life, Jesus, the Bible, uh, we'd love to sit down and chat with you about that, with, about that stuff. So uh, please fill one in, hand it in, and we can arrange to meet up with you and uh, chat things through. That'd be great. Um, so today is RBT Launch Sunday. Uh, yes, and um, the books are James through to Jude. So get your RBT goodies from the RBT launch table, which is over there. Uh, RBT sharing Sunday is on the 14th of April. Today is also the deadline for the gathering deposits. That's £20. Later today, uh, 6 p.m. service, and the title is It's So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. And Roya will be sharing her testimony, which is absolutely awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, And then it's pound to play, obviously, afterwards. Uh, Come to pray at 5.15. On Wednesday, we've got prayer meeting normal time, 6.45 for food. And then the prayer meeting starts 7.30, finishes at 8.30. Uh, Next Sunday is uh, normal service time, 11 a.m. And then we'll be having church lunch afterwards. Uh, Normal service time in the evening, 6 p.m. And then pound to play afterwards, obviously. And then... Uh, notes for the future, Easter dates, Friday the 19th of April is Good Friday, and there will be a Passover visual aid evening at the church, and they are always awesome. Uh, Saturday the 20th of April is the Cabalva Olympics at Maitland Park. I, I don't think I'm going to be taking a leading feature in that, really. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Yeah, Sunday the 21st is Easter Sunday, and there'll be church lunch, so that's awesome. Okay, I'm going to hand over to Lee now. There you go. Josh Clark isn't involved in the Gabalva Olympics either. <laughs> He's at the back with his uh, his foot in a leg, his leg in a, f- a brace uh, because of football yesterday. Oh, mate, our, our heart goes out to you, bro. Um, as does our heart go out to all the team because they lost yesterday to Mount. So you're like, oh no, could it get any worse? 
Um, but it's great to be here today, isn't it? Um, Sam, where are you? Can I ask you just to stand and just pray for us as we begin today? Um, that'd be great. Thanks, bro. Brilliant. Thanks, Sam. Um, it's good, actually, I think, that Dan missed out the announcements because that song that we learned on Wednesday was so worth everyone to stay in on, even if it's, you know, it doesn't match up with our order. Uh, that's okay because the truth of those words is incredible, that there's help uh, for the daily war with sin, and it's about fleeing from your sin and running to Jesus. I think a lot of us, like, we like to keep hold of our sin and stroke it and coddle it, and it's like, it means death. It's to flee from your sin and run to Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10 says this. Well, I'll read from verse 9. This is how you should pray, Jesus told his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to do all of verse 10 this morning because it's all linked together. I don't know if you've um, seen the, the film The Hobbit this is, Sam is a big fan, big fan. Any, anything you want filled in on The Hobbit, go and ask Sam, you'll have it down. Um, it's great, there's a bunch of dwarves who get chucked out of their kingdom. Uh, their kingdom is decimated by a dragon called Smaug. Um, this is all really big, you know, in like uh, all of its illusions are really cool. Um, uh, and they've been chucked out of their kingdom, so they go and seek after someone who can help. Uh, so people are drafted in, and they're on the way to take back their, uh, their, their kingdom. It's in the Lonely Mountain. Uh, they are the folk of the kingdom. The king is among them, uh, but they want their kingdom back. They want the ground and their home back so that their kingdom and rule can be established once more. And, and on the way, they hit a forest, and it's called Mirkwood. This is a really cool part of the film. Stay with me here, right? Because this here, things go really pear-shaped in this forest, um, as they're walking around, um, their senses start to get dull, and they start to get confused. Their understanding is, is slowly, slowly taken away, and they are wandering around in circles. Um, and before long, uh, they lose the path. That's one of the expressions on when they're going around in circles. Where is the path? We've got to find the path. Where is the path? Another thing that happens is that they find silly little objects on the floor, and they like make massive deal out of them. They're like, oh, look at this. It's a hip flask. And they, uh, for ages, they just stood in one place just looking at this. Oh, this object is quite incredible. It's a hip flask, you know. Um, and another, another part of the time, then Bilbo looks at his feet, and he's walking forward, and his feet are actually walking backwards. Oh, there's a lot of confusion going on in this forest. And do you know how it's all fixed? This is great, this is. This is why I love this illustration and why it's not the first time I've used it. Uh, he climbs up a tree and he gets above the canopy. And when the sun shines on his face, there is this big sigh that comes out of him. <sighs> and it's almost like his senses are awoken. His understanding is restored to him. And he can see again. 
Down there, it was dark and dingy, and all the trees covered his view. But here he sees. He's like, oh, there's the lake. There's the river. There's the lonely mountain. That is where we're going. And now his sight is now realigned. He knows where to go. And it was with the sun shining on his face. And this is such a great illustration because really it's what Jesus does in this prayer. He, Jesus has told us to pray our Father. So straight off, when you begin to pray, when you go into that place where no one else can see you, where you're not praying for the applause and the praise of other people and the opinions of others, when you do that daily, because you all do that, right? Uh, you go daily into a place where it's like no one else can see and I'm good with that because I want to spend time with Him. Jesus says, say, our Father. Oh, you're reminded straight away that nothing can ever stop you from talking to Him because Jesus has brought you in. And He says, say, our Father. You are a child if you've trusted in Jesus as your Savior. You're a child and you can call Him your Father in the same way that Jesus calls Him Father. We're told, aren't we, that He is the one who has immeasurable power, immeasurable wisdom in order to, to listen to our prayer and to answer it in the best way. He has all those resources that we need. He has everything that we need. We're told to go to Him and to have this understanding and perspective about us. And it doesn't stop today. Get your perspective right here. So hallowed be your name. The perspective you had to have last week, wasn't it, is that His name He cares about. He cares about His reputation. He cares about how, as ambassadors of His name, as representatives of His name, it matters how we live, because we can really do damage to His name. We can drag it through the muck and make it seem like nothing. We can put it in and hold it in a contemptuous way. Get your perspective right. Don't pray that prayer unless you're willing for God to come and to make you holy. And then into, the third, into this other bit then is that your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And once again, he is correcting our thinking at the very outset of this prayer. You see, we're supposed to then see everything that we want to petition about ourselves in a very different light. Do you know, we're supposed to then pray, you know, give us today our daily bread. But, but after we've had all of the, the uh, three things previous, the perspective of He is your Father, His name matters, don't muck around with Him, and you've asked for His kingdom to come, that He is the ruler and you're not. Now ask for what you need. It's very different, isn't it? Very different when you come to this point. So once again, the perspective has to be changed. And what we're talking about here is His kingdom. Are your eyes on His kingdom? Are they on His kingdom? This year, this prayer is the sunlight. You know, it's lovely imagery, isn't it? That when He gets to the top of the tree, the sun just bathes His face. What, what, what are you thinking when, you, when that happens? There's a whole load of things you should be thinking. You should be thinking, isn't it, about Psalm 19, about, oh, He's getting bathed in the light of the bridegroom who's come out of His pavilion and is on his way to meet his bride. He's on his way to take his bride. He comes out of that pavilion with the Father's stamp of approval, isn't it? Psalm 45, 
The father's already been singing about the son, already been singing about his bride, already singing about this day when they are joined together. Here he is, he gets up into the trees and the sunlight hits his face. That knowledge that Jesus loves us and is coming for us, that knowledge that the father has given his son, the son of his kingdom, an inheritance, the whole universe, and he has joined him with his people. And they too share in that inheritance. That's amazing. In that one little scene, that sun bathing his face is all of that, isn't it? Also, you're supposed to think, here comes the champion. Did you ever watch the film Troy? It's great. Where Back in the day, isn't it, the two armies uh, call out their champions. A bit like, uh, you know, David and Goliath sort of styly. Um, and one kingdom uh, calls out, Boagrius! And there's this monster of a man who's got muscles on muscles, isn't it? And on the other, other side then, they bring out Achilles. Um, he makes light work of him. But it's that sort of champion. Here he comes, running his course. Here he is. He has got his eyes set on the goal. He has come, and he is our champion. He's come to fight, isn't it? Light defeats darkness. That is all represented in that moment of like, what can bring you out of your your senses being dulled, your eyes being darkened, your understanding being darkened, Ephesians chapter 5. What can help you? What can help you? And it's this, what Jesus does here to say, no, you need to pray this, and you need to pray as honestly um, and, you know, as genuine as you pray, hallowed be your name. You've got to pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. There is only one thing that's going to wake you up. You have been wandering around down in that place, isn't it? And all these different things are clouding your view, all the issues of your life, all the things that you focus on, all the things that have risen from unimportant and now massively important to you. They're not important to others. They seem to have it in a different sort of list of priorities, but not to you. They are huge. And it keeps you going round and round and round in circles. So much so now that you feel, I don't know where the path is. I'm totally off the path. I am in the rough. I don't know what to do and where, how to get back on. And your senses are dull. You don't, you, you don't feel awake. The things that used to happen before that would like would bring you back of like, what am I doing? Where am I? Now they, they are long gone. And you've been wandering around. It's the kingdom of you just by yourself, all of your selfishness. Just thinking about yourself. Thinking about how you can be happy and how if everything else was different, you would be different. All your circumstances changed, I would be changed. No, no, you need to get up. You need to get up so that Jesus can shine on you. That you come here this morning and you hear these words with all the force behind them. That you're praying that His kingdom come. Not that yours has come. We're so blessed, me and Mel, to be doing a marriage course with a couple of the married couples in the church. And it's the second time we've done it, and I'm really, it's a real privilege it is, because I forget loads after the first one. I'm watching it again going, oh, flip, mate, this is amazing. And those who are on the course, you know this, don't you, about the kingdom of self stuff. It's been hit for the last two weeks. How we have these rules 
And if people don't abide by our rules and deliver what we want them to deliver, then, then we treat them in a certain way. We put them in stocks, you know, we treat them harshly, we put them out until they are ready to become vehicles again for what is going on with me and for my wants and my needs. And maybe you've come to church this morning like that. You know exactly what you want this morning and from whom you want it. It's a kingdom of self. You're just like, this is my rule. I make decrees. I expect everyone to get on board with it. But all you're doing, and it, often it is so plain for others to see, all you're doing is wandering around in circles, clueless. Clueless. Everyone looking on at these guys are like, it's a hip flask, bruv. You know, you're like, it's not such a big deal, you know. But it makes them stop and they look. People can see it. That's why often people talk to you and try to correct you and rebuke you. That's why people try and do that, because they can see. And what happens is that you, you can spend days like that, you can spend weeks like that, you can spend months like that, and you can spend years like that. Years. So that one day when you wake up, you realize, what the heck have I been doing in my life? Why haven't I got any fruit being produced in my life? Why haven't I changed? Why haven't I moved? It's because you've been sleeping, that's why. Because your senses have been dulled, because you've been on this mission. The mission for yourself, for the kingdom of self. And this is why Jesus says, no, you've got to be praying that His kingdom come. That His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Someone has defined the kingdom of God like this. It is the life of God shared with His creatures. Isn't that so simple? Isn't that so simple? And isn't that beautiful? What's the kingdom of God? Oh, it's the life of God shared with His creatures. The life of God shared with His creatures, shared with us. That's really helpful, isn't it? Because that, that life of God is expressed in one place in this universe, if not on earth. It's not on earth, is it? Earth is defined by chaos. It is defined by sin and injustice. It, it is defined by hell. That's what this earth is defined as. And you're like, you look around, you think this, this chaos and this injustice and this sin, it is everywhere. I must define the whole universe. Well, no, this verse tells you something very comforting. There is one place in this realm, in this universe, where God's will is done in its entirety. There's one place where His life, the fullness of His life, is enjoyed by everybody around. And that is in heaven. And when that was threatened, isn't it, Satan is cast out and he is thrown down. No, no, this place. Heaven is where the will of God is done completely and utterly. His life is experienced by everyone there. So it's a comforting thing, right, when you think of the world around, of like, what the heck are we living in? What's going on here? You look at your own life, and it's like the kingdom of self seems to have massive, thick walls. You're, you, you, you're, oh, man, I'm so selfish and so self-obsessed, and you see it sometimes, and that all kind of disappears, and you're back on it. No, there's a comfort that there's one place. And it's called heaven. 
It's called heaven where God's life is shared and enjoyed completely by His creatures. And what you're praying is this, death to my kingdom, death to my kingdom, but may His kingdom be established. It's not about me and my life and my rights and my desires and my wants. No, it's about Him. It's about His life. It's about Him and His wants and His desires. Because if His will is done, then it becomes heaven. It becomes heaven on earth. That His will, His kingdom come, His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And see, straight away, right, you see this, don't you, that the church in Ephesians chapter 4 is, is given gifts by Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, isn't it? As He rises, throws out His gifts. What does He give? He gives pastors and teachers and elders to teach the Word so that we might grow, that we might mature, that we might become united. And what? What is this last thing that He says? That we will be filled with the fullness of Christ. You see, the church is supposed to be that little bit of heaven on earth because it's where His will is proclaimed. That's what we're doing this morning. We're looking at His Word. You're hearing the proclamation. You read it for RBT. You share it with each other. His Word is being proclaimed. His decrees are going out. His commands are being told. And they're being accepted and they're being received, and they're being lived out. There is an obedience about the church that brings about this, this fullness of Christ, that the life of God is being fully enjoyed by Gabalva Baptist Church. See, that's what we're praying for, for His kingdom to come and His will be, to be done right now, here on earth, as it is in heaven as it is there. You see, what, what a privilege in it to be a part of His church. But then what responsibility, right? Because we are God's agent of Him pouring out His life into this world. That His life comes into us and it flows through us and out from us. So what responsibility we have what responsibility? Are you willing to pray this sort of prayer? Are you willing to pray that His kingdom come and His will is done and not yours? Are you willing to pray that? Are you willing to pray that now? Don't think about the kingdom of God as just a future thing. Yes, there will be a time, won't there, where, where Jesus will come back and He ushers in a new age. The floodgates of God's life then are then opened, aren't they? And all of his life is, is known by, by those then who are, have trusted in Jesus and belong to him. Isn't it? The earth is made new. And, and so then the dwelling of God comes to man. And his life will fill every single part of our existence. Yes, the kingdom of God is then. But like we saw Sunday night, what is the first sermon Jesus ever preaches? Baptized. Um, you know, he's washed like the priest is washed in the Old Testament at the age of 30, which is, he steps into his priestly office. What is his first sermon? My first sermon was rubbish. My first sermon I preached, I preached in Birch Grove in Swansea. 
And afterwards, Steve came up to me and he asked me this question. He said, either you're very clever and you have just preached something that's really wrong and made it sound really, really good, um, or you have no clue what you said. And I went, what? <laughs> Which kind of you know, means I didn't know what I said. He didn't tell me what it was. Um, yeah, but I, apparently I had preached heresy, but made it sound like the truth. Oh, no. That was my first sermon. And I don't want my first sermon to define <laughs> my whole ministry, right? It's like, that's the first thing. Lots of mistakes. But what Jesus is, Jesus has had all this preparation, isn't he? He's with the Father and was told by the Father what to say. Um, and here he comes on the scene. What is his first words? It's repent, doesn't it? For the kingdom of heaven is near. See, the kingdom of heaven is now as well. Now. Now we can have God's life. And we can know his life-giving rule now. Do you know, when the Bible talks about the will of God, it's not something that... Um, I don't know, we think of God doing His will is like He's just on another plane here, and He just, you know, Him doing what He pleases, we think He's like us in this. So if I do what I please, then it means that, well, the kids, you just be quiet when I tell you to be quiet. Leave the room when I tell you to leave the room. Mel, I want an Xbox right now. Um, I want to be able to play it whenever I want. You know, when I, when I say I want to do what I please, when I don't crucify that, that is what I think of. And don't, don't apply that to God. God is the one with the will. God is the one with the rule. And we're all like, oh, do we even, you know, figure in his plans? Do we even picture there? You know, or is he going to just zap us because we're quite annoying little subjects of his kingdom? You know, what's he going to do? The Bible says he does what he pleases. And he's so different from you and me because what does he please to do? He pleases to send his son to die and to save us. He pleases him to send his son so that we can be included in his family. That we were rebels and we just deserved to be thrown into the pit of hell. He deserved to call time as soon as Eve went, oh, that's a good idea. He, he could have done that and it would have been totally right. But you know what pleases him? What pleases him is to send his son so that we can be forgiven. So we can be included as sons. So we can share inheritance with him. That we can be the bride of Christ. That we can be children and co-workers with him. That is what pleases him. That is what this God's command and rule and will sounds like. It's incredible, isn't it? Why aren't we praying, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? When you look at the New Testament, like the, the writers of uh, some of Jesus' biographies or the guys who were included in the biographies write letters later on, so like Peter and John and uh, James and all that sort of stuff, um, and they, they have, what, what's common to all those letters is these guys have a real fear about their lives. And you'd think their fear would be roughly about, you know, um, persecution and what kind of death will my enemies try and inflict upon me, right? You, you kind of like, maybe you're not scared of dying, but I kind of am concerned about how I'm going to go. Um, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to drown or be locked in a coffin and buried. You know, all that sort of stuff kind of comes out, you know, it's like, oh, no. Is that what concerned them? No, that wasn't really a great fear of theirs. The big fear in them is that they will live a pointless, self-obsessed, fruitless life. That is what worried them. That is their greatest fear, that they would live a pointless, self-obsessed, fruitless life, a life that many of us here live in. They feared that they would live that. They feared it. 
And so Paul here in his last words, isn't it, that I read out in 2 Timothy, is talking to Timothy. These really are his last words. So if, you know, ignore my first words, but maybe I'll have something good to say on my deathbed, right? I'm kind of hoping I'd be able to come up with something, you know, for my kids to hang on to for forever that will tell them that Jesus wins, you know. And here Paul is with Timothy, his last words, all the distilled sort of issues and beliefs, faith of his life, all just poof. You are Timothy in a one hit in an inoculation. Bang, have it. And what does he say? What does he say? He gives him three examples of what it's like. What it's like to live a life of purpose, a life of self-sacrifice, a life that is fruitful. How do you live such a life? And he says, Timothy, don't go around with your eyes closed. Look out there. Look at the soldiers that you see. So whenever stuff comes up about PSD, you know, on, uh, uh, or PTSD, is it, whatever it is on Facebook, when that comes up, and you, you might, soldier, remember this, remember this. What does he say about a soldier? He gives three examples of people who have to work hard now because they're looking forward to a greater outcome. The soldier is thinking of the time when the general arrives. He has been given orders. And when you watch, uh, like, lots of Netflix series, isn't it, there's always this, you know, there's an order that comes from some sinful idiot somewhere, um, and they follow it blindly, don't they? But that's what soldiers do. They are loyal, and they know their place, that they submit, and they carry out orders. And so here the soldier comes, and he wants uh, the general to arrive and to say, well done, and commend his service. So he doesn't get involved in civilian affairs, does he? He's not like in a town, like, and he's there like, to keep an eye out on enemy forces and stuff. He's like, I tell you what, I tell you what, um, the Avengers Endgame is coming out 26th of April. Um, I'm there, I'm there. So he's supposed to be on duty, and he's in the cinema. Do you know, they don't act, they don't act like civilians, do they? They don't. Uh, if so, the general arrives, he's like, well, what have you given you know, in contribution to this victory? Up-to-date on the Avengers stuff is not really where it's at, do you know? Where are you in, in your job, in your role of protection and about furthering his kingdom? Have you made moves to the lonely mountain, in it, to get rid of that dragon and to install his rule? Have you, have you done that? The athlete, isn't it, in the same way. If they're attached too much to their warm beds, uh, they're not going to get up and train in the morning. Maybe Josh is quietly like, oh, Wednesday evenings now, I can come down, but I'm not going to be running around. It's great. Chillax. You just shout from the sidelines and be the, the manager coach. You know, you have plenty of chewing gum like Alex Ferguson. Uh, but the athlete, if he gets too attached to his warm bed, he's not going to get up. Um, if he's distracted then by, uh, by his emails in the morning, isn't it? Some of you turn off Facebook, don't you, in the morning, so you're not, that's not the first thing, and that's all well and good. But if you get distracted with all that sort of stuff, you're not going to train and the Olympics will be out of reach. The farmer, this is a great one, isn't it? He is, he is, this is the one, isn't it, which is like more careful and consistent. The farmer in going out and plowing and sowing seed. And then just looking at the weeds, setting up scarecrows, setting up the fence. Uh, getting in there, get the weeds while they're small, get them out of the way. You know, you can go to the farmer's field and say there's nothing happening, isn't there? You can stand in that field for an hour and say nothing is happening. I stood there for a whole hour. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. No, but if he, if he thinks like that, if that's his perspective on things, can you see how he's in danger, isn't he? His field is going to get taken over by weeds. That's where the fruitlessness will be really established. No, the farmer doesn't think like that. The farmer has got his eyes on the goal. 
go. And then Paul says, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. That's what he says in 2 Timothy. At the beginning of the day on the sacrifice, they poured out a drink offering of wine on top of the sacrifice. To say this, today, Jesus, I want to live my life being poured out for you. I want to pour myself into everything that you've got for me today and for you and for your kingdom and for your will to be done and for your glory. And now Paul comes back to it at the end of the day, the evening sacrifice, where the drink offering is poured out again. He's saying, my time is coming. I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And I lived like this. I lived like this. What was it said of Paul, Acts 17? These are the men who are turning the world upside down. That's a fruitful life, right? That's a life with purpose, that is. Paul lived like that. He had his eyes set on the kingdom that is coming, but knew that the kingdom is here as well. It's now. His rule is here now in the proclamation of his word. In the gathering with his other creatures here in Gabawa, his will is proclaimed now and should be done now. His kingdom come now among us and flow out from us. Jesus also put this into practice, didn't he? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Man, here's a man, isn't it? Like, what's going to be the fruit of your life, Jesus? You come to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's like, should he look after his own interests? What do you do when you feel a bit of pain? I'm looking after my own interests. My temper is short with everyone around me, right? Big time and out. I'm like, everything I see then is filtered through. Look, stay away from me. Be careful with me. I'm fragile. Doesn't it? No, Jesus doesn't go that way. He's not then trying to get out of it. The conversation is not my will, but yours be done. Who knows, isn't it, how intense that struggle was. When he can call, as the commander of the Lord's armies, he can call on the angelic forces to come and get him. Should he look after his own interests, or does he trust the Father's will and know that the Father has a better plan than he does? Your will be done. It's crazy. But he said it, and he went to the cross. And what kind of fruit comes from a life like that? You were here sitting, (laughs) belonging to a people because of it. There is hope because of him. There is life because of him. You need to have that fear. You need to have that fear of living a pointless, self-obsessed, fruitless life. See, we don't want none of the devil's doctrine in here, do we? We don't want none of the dragon's doctrine in here. Expel him. Live for yourself, Eve. Look after yourself, Eve. Just do what you feel is right, Eve. Get out. And may his kingdom come and his rule be established among us. As it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. And that is why we want heaven on earth. That is why in discipleship, one of the questions in there is, has church been like heaven on earth? Has it? What's there to spoil it? Us living pointless, self-obsessed, fruitless lives. That's what will spoil it. Listen to his word. Put it into practice. Pray this prayer. The beginning of every time you pray, you've got to go here. My life has to be reorientated to this. For his kingdom. 
for his will to be done, for his glory. Because there's a place that is heaven. It is incredible where his life and his will is known perfectly. So be perfect because your father in heaven is perfect. Listen to him in it. Get your life reorientated by these words. And then live. Then live. So I pray, Lord Jesus, help us. Uh, such challenging things from, from your word this morning. Um, I just want to pray that you'd help us. Help us not to, yeah, help us to have the same fear. We don't want to live like this. Yeah, help us realize we can live years of our life and not really live. We can be asleep. Help us to realize that the choices we make today, if we, if we do decide to ignore this today, could mean years staying in the same place. It's quite frightening. Help us to wake up. Help us to, to rise up and get a, get a look at Jesus and hearing what he's saying to us this morning. Help us to get on board with him and a lot of his people who live fruitful lives. Help us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand and sing the power of the cross. And in this song, if you want to get your kids from Sunday school and crash, they're going to come in and Sam's just going to give the short recap and we're going to pray together and sing again. Great, thanks.
Hi, everyone. Hi, children. Hey, Noah. Blanked. Ignored. Uh, hands up if you've just been in Sunday school or crash. Great. I'm speaking to you, all right? So just know that uh, and listen. It's really good to see you. Uh, we, we love that you go to Sunday school, but we feel for you a bit that you miss out on the sermon. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a little recap of what Lee was speaking about. Jesus spoke big time. Um, I wonder what you think, children, is going to bring heaven to you. What do you think will bring heaven down to you? Surely, right, it's if I get what I want, if I am the king, if I could just get what I wanted, that would be great. That would be heaven on earth for me. That's how heaven would come to me. Um, I had the privilege of being on crash in the first year that I worked for the church, Friday mornings with Aaron for an hour while the ladies did a Bible study. And we saw some horrific things go on uh, among a lot of you now that are a bit older. Um, like, you know, suddenly just one little toy or a book would become like, you know, a massive piece of gold. And someone would just decide, I want that. And someone, someone else had it. And it was war. It was like seriously war. One uh, time stands out in mine and Aaron's mind. We talk about it now and again. Uh, I won't say who said this. But I'll say who it was said to, right? So um, I can't even remember what it was, but it was something that they both wanted. And uh, they were sort of fighting over it. And one of the little boys just went, Geraint! Um, and, and it was hilarious. Uh, because it was like, how ridiculous is this? It's just a tiny toy. Five minutes time. No one's fighting over it. Everyone's forgotten it. Um, but the truth is, right, this is what the Bible says, if you get everything you want, children, that's not going to be heaven. It's not going to be the life you think it would be. It's not going to be perfect. It's not going to bring heaven down to you. You know, school can be a horrible place, and it's because everyone wants to be the king. Everyone wants to be the most popular, be the best at football, be the cleverest or the funniest. And there's competition, and people get angry with one another. And if you find school hard, it's because everyone thinks that if they're king, that will be heaven on earth. Jesus wants you to know that's not true. That isn't true at all. Because uh, I remember in school, uh, I loved Michael Schumacher from like the age of four to six, big time. Uh, and we used to have these go-karts, like push go-kart things in the playground. And there was one that was red, like a Ferrari. And in my head, when I was in it, I was Michael Schumacher. But if someone else was in it and I wanted it, it was horrible, you know? Maybe you have that sort of thing in school. Uh, getting what you want, though, isn't where it's at. Jesus says, you've got to pray. Your kingdom, Father, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? You've got to ask Jesus to be your king. The reason why school's hard, the reason why home is hard, is because we're sinners. And... It means that we think it's best if we're king. No, you need to make Jesus your king, children. You need to ask him to do what he wants. And what, what it pleases God to do is to send Jesus for you. And everything you need is found in Jesus. He wants to give you the best life ever. And you can give yourself the best life ever, but Jesus can. 
So I think it would be great if uh, just we pray now in twos or threes. Pray with the children that are around you. Let's just ask that God's kingdom would come, not our kingdom, and that his will would be done, not ours, because that is the best life. Okay, we're uh, going to uh, sing an absolute cracker of a song now. I've got to read some of these words. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, you, Jesus, looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is grace. Let's stand together.
Use my rats of life in any way. 
Let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.